You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I got a fun one. I got Cody Vable. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, appreciate being here. I love this stuff. Yeah, no, I, it really means a lot. I know you're super busy and going through, uh, you know, some some fun things you got going on, and it means a lot that you made the time. So, tell me a little bit about you. I mean, you're you're obviously CEO of a, a solar company, but you know, tell me kind of a little bit about your history. I know it's kind of a, a good decorated history. Yeah, right now I'm CEO of Centria Solar, um, headquartered in Phoenix, but we're in multiple states. Um, I've only been there since the end of April, so fairly fresh nice, and yeah. new, new to the solar industry. Besides my little bit of a run at Vivint, with Vivint Solar on just the recruiting and sales side, but you know, not super familiar with the business till I jumped in in April. Um, before that, I was an executive VP of sales for Vivint Smart Home. Oh, nice. Spent the majority of my career there, um, 18, 19 years in the alarm industry. Total. Wow. Um, so went from the door-to-door sales guy and kind of moved up the ranks and was able to rub shoulders with some of the best entrepreneurs I've ever met in my life at, at Vivint and just unreal experience and decided to go take a shot at trying to run it on my own. I love it. That's awesome. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, dive deep in that, but um, I'm interested to see, you know, everybody's kind of got a, a very unique story of why they joined the, the door-to-door industry or this type of, of industry. So, you know, how, why, why this industry, why did you pick, you know, Vivint and you know, what, what got you motivated to do this? Yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. I, all, all my friends were going to serve church missions and I was um, going to Utah state. One of my buddies came home. I wasn't going to go serve a mission. My buddies came home from Utah state and gave me like the newspaper, the statesman and was like, Hey, you should go sell pest control. I was like, Oh, well, everybody's leaving, you know, give it a shot. Gave right. a, gave the ad a call and got signed up to sell pest control. And then this, this girl called me and said, Hey, you should sell alarms you can make more money doing alarms and i was like ah, i'm good and said just do an interview so i can get a gift card i was like okay so i show <laughs> up to what i thought was an interview walk in the door and there's a bunch of guys you know dressed like they're gonna go knock doors i didn't know what that was then but right. now i know and this guy came downstairs and said fill this out and put this on and so I signed up to sell alarms. I mean, <laughs> just basically there was no interview. It was hey, fill this out, put this on, filled it out, put the shirt on. And they did a couple role plays and said, let's, uh, let's go. I said, where we're wow. going. They said, we're going to knock. Like, All right. So that's cool. That's how, it, that's how it kind of started. That, that's awesome, man. That's kind of a little baptism by fire. Yep. Um, and what company was that? It was, uh, it was Pinnacle Security back okay. then. Okay. Yeah, I just remember their uh, sign on, the, on a, I think it was down in like Lehigh area, big yep. black building. I think, yep. I think that's what it was, but that's awesome. That it, Do you do you find that a lot in the, the, the door-to-door industry, you know, and maybe it's more so back then because now it's got maybe a little bit more hyper-competitive that there wasn't a ton of maybe training or like a system to a lot of it and every maybe people did their own thing? I'd say there's a lot more and Vivint was kind of paved the way on, on good training and, and good, you know, media. Right. Um, but yeah, back then it was like, just go, just go and learn, just jump in and, and figure it out. Right. It was, it was wild. So first day on the, on, you know, going knocking doors, how was that? 
first day uh, they said, Hey, you're going to, you're going to knock with this kid named Bryn Winward. Um, he sold his first one yesterday. Wow. <laughs> That's what they told me. So I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> we knocked two doors and he said, it's way too hard with two people. So you take that side of the street. So, wow. I mean, I just walked around, had no idea what I was doing, talking to people. And, but what it did is it taught me, you know, uh, to ask a lot of questions. So the whole drive home, it was like, Hey, what do you say when they say this? What do you say when they say this? What is this? What is that? And, you know, I was able to pick it up pretty quick. So did you stay with them for, I stayed, I stayed with them. My manager, um, that first year, the one that just assumed the sale on me signing up, uh, I stayed with him for two years and then he started his own company. So I left pinnacle security and went there. That's called federal alarms. And I did three years there. And after that just said, I, you know, I got to have something more. I mean, my, my will and desire for what I wanted out of the job was more than his. Um, even though he was great and took good care of me, I just needed something more for me and my people. I wanted to go big. Right. And he wanted to just be, you know, slow growth. I wanted just the wild chaos of growth. And right. So I made the decision after my fifth year to, um, move over to Vivint. That's awesome. Apex back then. And they were going like wildfire back then probably. I mean, I, I heard some stories they're just the growth and everything they did and the people that were working for them is just, you know, astronomical growth. So one thing I do want to ask you is, uh, you know, when you said that you wanted more and, and you wanted, you know, more, you know, what you wanted to grow quicker and things like that, what, what really was the burning desire behind that you wanted to grow more and that you, you know, you've been with this guy for so long and it's like, Hey, it's just not, it's just not what I want. I, I think more than anything was I, I, I wanted to go really big, but I, I watched a lot of my friends come into the company and they made decent money, but right. they just weren't happy and they wouldn't come back. Really? So I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted a culture that was like, uh, you know, they wanted to be a part of something. It was more than the money. Right. And so, uh, we just didn't have that. And apex, you know, had that, they had that where it was like, you know, we just kind of, we want to, we work there not for free, but almost for free just to be a part of that, of that culture. So right. I wanted something more for my people. What were the, it's kind of two part question. What was, I guess, you know, without, you know, we don't got to talk crap on, on the, the company that you switched from, but what were some things that you were like, Hey, like this isn't really like super exciting or, you know, maybe, maybe some, you know, some pointers there. I think is just lack of, lack of accountability and just like they were just okay with subpar performance. Right. Um, I wasn't, and I wasn't okay with subpar performance for my people. And I, I remember a conversation that I had with one of one of the favorite people I've ever worked with named Jared Young, where it was, if you sell 150 accounts in a year here, you're nobody. Really? So basically what yeah. you've done at that other company, why, you know, right. you're a badass there. You're going to come in here and you're going to be a nobody, right? Unless you can sell 200 plus accounts and do two, 3000 accounts as an office, no one's even going to know who you are. Really? And so I, I just love that. Cause it's like, you know, you just kind of, he set the bar for me of like, this is what you got to go do to, you know, put your name on the map here. Right. It's a, it's an, a company that's obviously a winning team that's achieving excellence that is setting a huge bar. Why do you think people, you know, like yourself like to shoot for, you know, companies like that. Cause there are, you know, it's funny. I meet so many different people that there are a lot of people that are just okay with being okay. And then some people are like, no, I want more. I want to keep chasing stuff, which, you know, usually is kind of, you know, the really, really good salespeople that aren't, you know, okay with being mediocre, but I'm interested to hear, you know, why you think that, you know, you were wanting to chase some more that was so attractive to you. 
I, I, I just think that's why we're here. I think we're here on the earth to just be the best we can possibly be. And the adrenaline that you get from pushing for something and then attaining it and, you know, the monetary stuff, that's cool, but that that's just kind of like a, a measurement of performance. It doesn't, right. that's not what gets you excited. It's that you just went out and did something that was crazy that, you know, not, not a lot of people have done. Right. Well, that, that's awesome. And I know that it's people like to win and they like to be on a winning team. And even like with customers, they like to buy from a winning company. No one wants to know that they're buying or, you know, at least I wouldn't think you know, buying from a losing company or people who really don't care or they're okay being okay. Or, you know, that I think that only goes so far. And so I, re I really think people like being on a winning team. I mean, it's like, you know, it's why a lot of people, you know, the media, you guess like the lower level NBA players, like the mediocre, you know, NBA players, if that's even a thing being in the NBA is they want to, you know, trying to go win championships and be on a winning team. Cause everybody wants to be on a winning team. No. And even with the high performing players, they they're trying to go somewhere else to be on a winning team. And I feel like that, especially in this hyper competitive industry is, you know, in that you were in it, that's important to create and have that, that be a part of, you know, your culture and who you are as, cause that attracts in my eyes, like higher level talent for sure. Yeah, and, and success is progression. I mean, if, if people feel like they're part of a team that's getting better and growing and developing, or you're growing and developing personally, they feel like they're having success. Right. No, I and think that's what's important. been so fun about what I'm doing right now is, you know, you, you know, while we're in the infant stages of a company with crazy growth and there's lots of problems, lots right. of problems. It's just so easily, so easy to overlook all the problems because of, of the progression, you For know, sure. the, the amount of change that you can make in a day as a person and as a company. Right. No, I, I love that. Um, I think it's, that's super important, especially being able to solve those problems. Um, you know, I feel like I used to joke, you know, way long time ago when I was in the network marketing days, if I was the world's highest baby, paid babysitter and that's all I did was just, you know, babysit all day long. And there's a lot of truth to that in a lot of different areas. Now it doesn't have to be so extreme that you, you know, you feel like you're a babysitter, but the ability to solve problems, I think makes people super invaluable where they're not the problem creator and maybe not all, all, you know, also, they don't have every answer, but they have the the willpower to want to be able to solve problems because that's how you you know obviously move the ball forward, especially being in such a young company like yourself is, hey, we're all kind of doing this together. We're going to run into issues. We always got to get through them. Exactly. For sure. So, you know, you're knocking doors for night. Now you start with Vivint. What, what's, you know, how was that? Now, like going from one team to the other. I mean, that's going from like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't have the details about the old company, but now you're going to like the 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 big the big guys like oh, big yeah. expectations it was, it, it was so much fun um i had fun my entire career there but the, you know the different stages of a company and and culture but those first few years were unbelievable i mean i worked i worked my tail off had a ton of fun um and had rapid growth i mean two three x every year wow um, my personal sales went from 150 at that other company and a thousand as an office to 282 Wow. And, and 3,300 as an office. And then we doubled the next year, doubled the next year. And then I was done. I could, I had too big of an organization to be on the doors anymore. And, um, it was just fun to be a part of that, of that growth, but it was all just, I decided I was going to make a name for myself. And once I made that, once I made that decision, you know, my, my teams kind of rallied around that and, and became a part of it. That's awesome, man. Do you think that it was had a lot to do with joining a winning team and then creating that burning desire where like, this is the expectation company wide. Yeah. The bar, the bar was just higher. I mean, 
the the bar was higher and the and the um, direction was direct. Right. I mean, it was very. You knew exactly. I mean, I was told exactly what I needed to do. And right. and so it was just so easy. Where at the other company, it was, you know, whatever I did was great. Right. No, I, that that's a big difference, you know, where it's, and I'm not saying everybody gets a trophy and, but people should be celebrated. But when you have that, when you set the bar and you have the, the expectation of excellence, whatever excellence is to you and your company, it's like when they first ran the four minute mile, I mean, no one could do it. It was impossible. And also one person did it and now it became kind of the benchmark of the new norm. And then it, now it's like, if you can't run a four minute mile, then like, you are, you, are you a real runner? Now I'm like a 40 minute mile type of person. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's creating those benchmarks and the expectations and trying to get the most out of people. And I feel like there's a lot of companies that don't care about that. And then it also is like a reverse effect in someone's life where it's like, I'm not really getting up and chasing anything. Do you think it's, it's, it's important for an individual to get up and chase like a dream or a vision or a goal that's, that's set out there for them? Yeah, I think if you don't if you don't have a clear vision and, and clear direction from your superiors, then um, you can kind of you can kind of get in more of a depressed mindset. Right. Um, and so it's important as a leader to create that clear that clear path and vision. You right. Know, this is this is what we expect, and this is how how you do it. And even you know broken down by day. Right. Um, because if there's those little those little small victories that you can get you know, eventually get you to where you want to get. Right. How were you effectively able to do that with your team when you very first started um, with Vivint? Uh, I, I mean, I would, I, I would talk about the goals of the company and, and also the goals of my team all the time, you know, through recruiting meetings. But, but when the summer started, it was first meeting in the summer, everybody's there. Um, we would come up with the rules as an office. Everybody would decide. I would add a couple, you know, extras to it, make sure everyone's okay with it. And then I would say, uh, you have a two week training period. Um, after two weeks, I'm available for two weeks. After two weeks, you're you're expected to uh, know how to do the job. Wow! And if you need help, I'm happy to help. But it's between these hours and these hours. The rest of the time, I've got to focus on my own sales. Um, but I promise you, if you do what you're supposed to do these two weeks, you're not going to need me. Right. And I mean, it was. Uh, unbelievable what, what happened just by setting that clear direction right and then also it was made clear in that first meeting that after the first two weeks that's the training period's over if you don't sell a certain amount you're on probation if you do it two weeks in a row you're done really and people just rose up i mean it was very seldom that we ever had to let somebody go really everybody fell out those first two weeks you kind of weed out the week right right, right. from the start from the the heavy expectations and then you know, the culture is just unbelievable after those first two weeks because they went through the training, they did what they were supposed to do, they know what they're supposed to do, and then it just kind of falls into place. It's clear expectation and roadmap of success, right? I mean, and that's very simple, just right. very simple direction. Yeah, which is important because I feel like people can overcomplicate processes and overcomplicate things. And then I feel like if you overcomplicate it, then it creates the complete opposite effect and makes mass confusion where they... Like, hey, I don't really know what to do. There's, you Start know. Start getting overwhelmed. Yeah, and, there's 200 steps here. What am I supposed to do? And it's like, hey, like, I'm just going to go hang out and sit yeah. down until someone, you know, does that. How important was it um, to, you know, a brand new person to walk, you know, walk with a, a you know, say it's a trainer um, and, and seeing it by example instead of just being told and say, hey, like, you know, you got all the coaching, go out and do all the tools and like, you know, instead of showing them what to do. 
Yeah, we, we had all the videos and the videos, I, I set the expectation that the videos, you know, make sure you're taking notes when you're out there where you're struggling that you can watch the videos after work. Um, but the training process was your first day you work, you work with somebody until you see a complete sale. After that, you knock on your own until you get in the house. As soon as you get in the house, you call a manager and they come over and close it for you. That's your first deal. After that, you're probably not going to need any help. Right. But if you do go more than three days without a sale, you're required to work with somebody till you see a sale. Really? And then after three days of them, we called it bageling. Uh, three <laughs> days of bageling, you've knocked with the manager, you watch them make a sale, and oh, they always sold one right after. Really? You know, the confidence level of seeing the sale, they oh, yeah. always go pop right right away. Oh, I love that. How, how important? Well, I mean, I guess you can, you can say that it's super, it's super important to keep honing your craft and keep doing it every single day. Cause then you, you kind of get out of that, you know, the, the, the routine of doing what you do. And like I, we, you know, used to see it in, in a lot of different things. If you're like not, you know, you go on vacation, you come back and it like takes a couple of days to kind of get, you know, back in your routine and back in things. And so honing on that craft and especially, you know, with, uh, I like that you guys is three days. So it's like, you're not letting a lot of time, you know, go by because that can cost you and everybody else a lot of money. So it's like, Hey, you should, this is the expectation. If you shouldn't be doing something drunk, let's get you back in someone and get that confidence back rolling. Yeah. They're either, they're either not working. They have a bad attitude or they're, they're doing something wrong. Right. So, um, you want to nip it super fast for sure. And, and it, it goes to, it goes to everything, you know, my finance department, I got to stay on them. You know, right. if I don't, if I'm not on them every three days, following up, making sure they're then stuff doesn't get done. Right. You for know, sure. you have to, in any business you're in, make sure that, as soon as there's bad behavior, correct the bad behavior. Otherwise you create bad habits, you know, that are hard to break. Right. So now you, you know, you're at Vivint, you're having a lot of success, you're crushing it. You know, you, now you, you're not necessarily knocking doors. Um, you're, uh, you got this massive organization, you know, what, what does that look like? And, you know, moving through your career. Um, I, I just, I got to the point where I kind of plateaued with my own organization. And so they started you know, diving in, we brought a new chief revenue officer in and they started diving into the numbers of like, you know, the nitty gritty of like, you know, this organization, how much are, how much is it costing to create an account in Cody's organization versus so-and-so's organization? Right. Um, what organization has compliance issues? What organization doesn't? And I was able to catapult my career because I did things the right way. I, you know, made sure that, you know, I was blessed to work with people that had good, good ethics and they, right. They sold customers. They should sell. So attrition was super low. Um, and, and we did it, we did it, uh, without having to spend a lot of money and we didn't spend a lot of money. We made, we made people money. We didn't just give them money. Right. Um, so they started putting, you know, the problem children with me, the problem organizations <laughs> and said, Hey, these guys had the most complaints in company in the company. So, here you go, fix them. Wow. And then this group was the most expensive. Here you go, fix it. Really? And so, you know, I just kind of eventually got to the point where I was getting paid on the entire company. Wow. That's awesome. And also all of, was it Apex or Vivint at that time? It was Vivint. Wow. That's awesome. And that, that's, that's a big deal. How, how do you, I mean, how was it in, in that position to be able to work, you know, with multiple different types of people that, you know, struggled, what were a lot of like the issues, I guess, you know, going down to working with people and we know we talk about culture and culture camp and being able to help and coach someone versus, you know, scream at them and, you know, because I'm guessing like you were not that type of person because I don't feel like those people last a long time. It's like 
you know, tactful might say it sound bad, but it's, it's the right way of working with people and getting them to change and believe in the change. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't get your, you can't get your feathers ruffled and get fired up at people that just doesn't work. I mean, what we did was we showed them the data and said, this is your group. This is all the other groups. And, you know, we believe in you, but, um, you get what you're okay with. And right. so you, you show them the data, you say, Hey, I, we're, we're not going to get from the worst to the best in one year. Um, you know, what's the goal? What can you help us get to? And you set the goals with them and you give them clear expectations and then you let them know you're not okay with anything less than that. Right. And so you get what you're okay with and then you just stay on top of them. Right. You stay on top of them all year. You present to their entire group of, you know, where they're at, what's expected and you take the, you know, you make an example of a couple people that are the worst of the worst and you just move them on from the organization. Right. How are you, how is it working with, obviously these guys were leaders in their own mind or maybe, maybe within the organization that they had their own, you know, teams, own organizations. And then now you're like, you know, your job is to work with them. How is that with like an ego check? Because I feel like there are a lot of people, especially in this industry that think they're all like the baddest of the bad. And then they get this like, Hey, actually, you know, here's like an ego check. And then by the way, now you got to go work with Cody. Um, how was working? How was that dynamic? I'm, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's really, really hard. I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard for people to, to swallow that pill, especially when, you know, a couple of these organizations were as big or bigger than mine. Really? Um, and so, yeah, it, w- it was tough. And one in particular, you know, it only lasted a couple of years and, and they moved on. Really? But their people stuck, their people stuck around. So, For sure. um, yeah, that, that's a tough, that's a tough thing, but, um, you just do what's right and, and everything happens for a reason and it just works out. Right. So, what's some advice that you can give someone that may be in that same position where, you know, now they're asked to, to work with someone that, you know, a lot, oftentimes you see it, they're like, you know, someone younger comes into an organization and they have to work with someone older that's been doing it forever. And now it's like, I'm not going to take directions from you because I've been doing this longer. Okay. What, what's some advice that you would, you know, how to gain that trust, um, with, with this individual or with this team because with an, as an outsider, quote unquote, coming in. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I still need to work on. And even looking back, there's a lot of things I could have done differently. Um, cause it, it's hard to be patient when you want results right now, you know, you, right. you know, you're not, looking at the things that, you know, I'd say looking back, you know, spend more time with them, get to know their family more, get to know them on a personal level. Um, and just really befriend them is probably the best way to kind of cure that. But for sure, sometimes it's not always, it's not always, um, a possibility because that wall just goes up so thick right from the start that it's right. like, you're, you're kind of going to lose just from the start. But there's a lot of stuff you can know uh, that you can do to make sure that they feel like you're genuine and you really care about the, their success. And I think that's what the most important thing is, is that it is genuine. It's not a, cause then you can almost ego check yourself and being like, Oh, now I'm the baddest person. Cause everybody's asking me for help. And it's like, no, like, you, you know, be a genuine person and really, really want to help the organization. Cause at the end of the day, you're all in kind of team vivant. So you're all trying to you know, do that. And so I think that's, that's really important that people, people, like you got to go gain the trust, right? And, and it's in various different aspects of gaining the trust, but it ends up like the root has to be like the foundation has to be trust, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta put yourself in their shoes and you know, if you were, if you were them and you just got placed under, you know, right. <laughs> how would you, how feel? would you feel? And you know, what, what walls would you put up and, and kind of work on breaking those down for sure. So 
you know, now you got all this going on. Um, now you're, you know, getting, like you said, getting pretty much paid off of the whole organization of Vivint, which is massive. Um, what, um, you know, what, what's, you know, the future looking like and what are you doing? I, I just, I, I mean, at that point was when I started learning a lot about big business, you know, we were in the, we were in the meetings, you know, we were in the, in the discussions as we're doing transactions, you know, we went through, we, we, we started Vivint Solar and, and initially with Vivint Solar it was like, who's, who's expensive and has compliance issues that we can just kind of throw at this project. Right. And that project ended up being a multi-billion dollar business yeah. that sold the Sunrun and um, so it's just kind of, kind of cool to see, um, just how big business develops and just learned it, learned a ton being in those meetings and the way that Todd Peterson treats his employees and, and, and decisions. And I mean, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. I've heard that he's a, he's a really, really awesome dude. Cares about a lot of people has a huge heart. Um, I actually, my wife's a really good friend is actually, I think his personal assistant, her name is Alex. And, um, she just can't say enough good things about them. And you, usually when I meet people like that, I'm like, like, I wonder what they're like, because that's, I mean, there's a lot of kind of clout in Utah with Vivint and I mean, they're the biggest and baddest. And I mean, they're, they're like kind of the staple that a lot of companies have broke off from, but they've kind of started this whole frenzy of all this stuff going on, at least, you know, from, from a long time. And they've done, like you said, they've done it the right way. Um, but it's cool. Cause I really am interested in how people are as people um, not necessarily of all the accolades that they've done and all the trophies or this or that, or, you know, how much money they've made. It's like, cool. Like, but how are you as a person? Like I was with a, a guy the other day that had one of the largest furniture manufacturing plants in organizations in the country. And also he had a bunch of manufacturers, um, down at, oh, back in China. Um, I don't know how much business he was doing, but I could tell that he's probably doing a lot. The cool thing about it is we went back into the, to the plant and there was people there for, I think everybody I met had been there more than 20 years and you're meeting a, I'm meeting a ton of people. And I'm like, like no offense, dude, but like you're cool. And like the company's awesome. Like I'm interested in how you've been able to do that. Like you've been able to get people in a tough environment of manufacturing to work with you for 20 years. So like, I'm like, man, I would love to come back and get some, some, you know, some little nuggets of how you've been able to do that because it's a hyper competitive world and I'm sure they can go other places and, you know, do, maybe do, I don't know, but you got people working for you for 25 years and you're they're back there like just cranking as fast as they can go. And I'm like, this is super interesting. And there's also other, you know, companies that I know that's manufacturing that they can't keep anybody. So I'm like, man, there's a definite disconnect and, and things. And, you know, I'm not going to say one's right or wrong, but I try to you know more so float to the, the culture of the 25 years, but. Oh yeah. Nothing, it, nothing worse than having to hire and train over and over again. Right. Right. Which I think is, you know, going back to the door to door industry, I think that's, and very important because I feel like a lot, there are some companies that just care about the volume of people and don't really necessarily the, care about the people themselves. And they're cool with just running through it, which I think is super expensive. But, you know, so now, you know, now you're, you know, you're going through Vivint and, you know, you're making the decision to kind of go, go on your own. How's that whole, whole thing go? Oh man, it's, it was crazy. Cause I, I took, it was seven months off where I wasn't doing anything and just was thinking about, you know, what, did, what does the next chapter look like? You know what I want. And, um, you know, you have a lot of time to think, right. <laughs> you know, seven months you're just sitting around and right. You know, I was keeping busy with my other stuff, but you know, I think the, the reason why I went and did what I'm doing is I kind of back what I said earlier is just, we're, we're here to just, we're here to make a big impact and how right. can you make it, how can you make the biggest impact? And, um, 
you know, the door-to-door world or the sales world and just businesses, you know, there's a lot of chaos in it, but it's, to me, it's a lot of fun, right? It's a lot of fun. And the seven months, I just really, I missed that. And I missed the, the, the last few years at Vivint were great because it's fun to learn about, uh, you know, a publicly traded company and, and, but the funnest years of my career were just the pure chaos where it was like, just nuts, crazy growth. How are we even going to fulfill on all these sales? How are we going to make it all happen? And um, just seeing the excitement in the people that I worked with as we were going through that and how they were just willing to run through walls right. um, to just make it happen, and right. even though it wasn't smooth. Um, so I kind of I kind of wanted that, and this opportunity presented itself. And there were a few other offers that were on paper looked a lot better, but this one was just a little bit you know had the blood flowing a little bit better you know a little right. bit more of like this is a little more of a risky situation but right i kind of wanted that for you know four or five years for sure so um if you don't mind me asking and you can tell me to you know that you want to talk about it is why what what caused you or you know what caused the change of, of leaving and going you know doing nothing for seven months because you now it sounds like to me you just kind of wanted to you, know, you just wanted to change and you just made the, you know, whatever happened. So, I mean, guess what? And you, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, I don't know if there's any bad blood or anything. No, but, there's, you know, what? there's a, there's not bad blood. I mean, anytime you, you have to fight that at times because you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a full, Hey, uh, it's Cody's time to move on. Me saying that it was, it was kind of a combination. It was a, a meeting with our chief revenue officer where it said, Hey, we're growing at this percent a year and uh, the board saying uh, this is the most expensive line item on the, on the sheet and it's you guys in your position. So we've got to grow at a higher level or we're going to have to redo compensation. And right. in that moment I said, let's look at an exit. Right. So I, I just, you know, the state, the business was in, it was going to be really tough to grow at a, at a higher clip than it was um with the resources we had so i felt at that moment and it was just a split second decision in that meeting and really and in a a week later we had the doc signed and got it all done wow but i'm grateful for the way that they took care of me on the way out and um you know i feel like it was the right move for the business as much as it sucks to right you know be in a position where it's like hey uh you guys are more expensive than you're worth right you know it's kind of how it it felt a little bit but right honestly it was the right move it it takes the next layer down catapults them gives them a little bit more excitement like i'm talking about and gives them an opportunity to you know to grow their career right so i mean you know kind of kind of mutual but i think it says a lot about a company and this is any company but you know whether it's been or anybody else is how they how they treat people who leave and especially if they're the high performers and you know been there for a while and and, and had a lot to do with the company i mean you were in like you said the big meetings with the biggest guys and you know making company moves and company direction and things like that and how they could treat somebody that you know had so much credibility on them and meant so much to the company i mean i, I find it very interesting of how when i hear people like oh this you know so and so left or this person left or they did this or did that like how like almost like they want to destroy them and do this and that. And I'm like, why are you wasting your time on stuff like that? man? it's like, focus on everybody else. Like you do have a company with a lot of other employees that are, you're so focused on this one individual. Like, you know, and in my eyes, why would you set your company up to be, to succeed and fail on this one individual? Like that's kind of shame on you. And so I think that's, that's interesting. And it's kind of cool to hear that they, you know, took care of you. Do you have any contact with anybody back there? Talk with anybody like, you know, still kind of in the, you're still in the world. 
I mean, I keep in contact with all my, all my friends there and you know, they're, they're in the middle of another transaction, which is, which is cool for them. And I think it's a, it's a great play. It's a, you know, inside sales at Vivint have been absolutely crushing it. I mean, they have an amazing product. Um, they're doing a, a, a NRG energy is purchasing Vivint. Oh, wow. Here in the next couple months, I believe. Um, and it's, I think it's a great play, especially to have access for inside sales for all the energy customers across the nation. So, right. I mean, they're, they're doing great things and they've, it's cool to see, you know, the high level executives there and how they've pivoted the business to, to make it work, especially with the, you know, the door to door sales thing is very competitive on the solar side. Right. And so, you know, watching them be able to do a good job on the door to door stuff, but it's not growing at the, but then really grow the inside sales and figure out some type of a merger or acquisition like they have, that's going to open the doors to, in my opinion, to crazy growth on inside sales. Right. That, that's really cool. And it's, you know, it sounds like a company that it seems like Vivint's always coming out with something new or innovating some way. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, I mean, it's kind of a tech company, but kind of not, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And I feel like that's you know important for any company is to, you know, I got told a long time ago that shift happens. You gotta, you gotta, you know, how fast you can, you know, shift and, you know, not, I wouldn't say conform, but like shift and, and adjust to the markets and adjust to people's buying habits. Like that's, who's going to win is keep, keep shifting and keep doing their thing. Now don't ever lose who you are, but you have to kind of adapt. And, you know, it's like the old saying adapt or die. You kind of have to, to do things. Cause there's a lot of like blockbuster. <laughs> I mean, talking crap on, you know, net Netflix and, you know, even your know, red box back in the day and, and all of these things and okay, well, red box, you know, put blockbuster out of business and the Netflix kind of put red box, you know, to the, to the side. And now Netflix is dominating because it's like adapt or die. And it's like, they tried, they were super late and tried to come onto the game. And it's like, did you just, just, just go away. And so I think that's, that's really cool as a company. So, you know, now, you know, seven months, you know, kind of uh, hanging out doing your own thing, you know, how, you know, you, you know, you started this company or helped, you know, join this company now. Um, was that back in April? Yep. So uh, how's that, how's that been? It's been, it's been unreal. I mean, I, I've always been told that the solar industry has tight margins. Um, you know, but it's a, it's a, I mean, the market share is very small. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunity to grow in it. Solar's not going away. Um, right. I knew I needed to be, if I wanted to go as big as I wanted to, I needed to be aligned with somebody that, um, is innovative, well-connected and access to capital. Right. And so that's why I chose where I'm at, where it's venture capital backed. Um, wow. and, uh, the, the owner of the fund is very, um, very smart. He's one of the smartest guys, if not the smartest guy I've ever met. Really? That's awesome, man. That, and it, it's, it's, you know, super hyper, hyper competitive industry. Um, what are the things that you guys are doing? You know, we talked a little bit off, uh, off air, whatever you want to call this. Um, um, the things that you're doing to kind of change that. And like, you've had amazing growth since, since April. Um, I think how much you say that you've grown? Yeah. The, the company in 2021 did 4 million in revenue and we did about 40 million wow. uh, from the end of April to the end of December. That's um, huge. For 23, we're tracking, uh, 150, 160 million right now. Wow. I mean, that's massive growth. I mean, in 24 months, you're, I don't even know what the math is, but that's a lot. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's good growth. Um, the first year was, Hey, let's just, let's just go and make a bunch of sales. Um, and then we'll, we'll focus on, you know, cleaning up the, the, 
you know, making sure that we're doing it cost effective. We're not just burning cash. And right. Um, so we're very focused on the unit economics and making sure that we're costing each job, making sure that, you know, we're knowing where we're losing money, where we're making money and making those adjustments this year with budgets. Um, the couple other things we're working on is we want to capture the margin and give the customer a better experience in terms of warranty. Instead of just having a manufacturer warranty, warranty, um, we have a insurance company where we're able to offer the customer financial hardship um, insurance, um, insurance, uh, higher levels insurance on um, workmanship and, and stuff like that. If they have problems with their panels later on, oh. um, we have a, a financial company where we'll be able to offer really good financial products to the consumer to um, help, help close more deals, but also just um, put the customer in where it makes more sense financially to go solar. Right. No, that, that's, that's huge, man. Cause you know, what, there's only so much, even though solar's, I wouldn't say solar's solar, but like it really matters. I think, you know, the customer service side, the employee side, the experience side, the offerings to be, you know, different. There's a book that I love called Blue Ocean Strategy, and it talks about blue ocean companies and red ocean companies yep. and, you know, being the the different, you know, they used to talk about South, they need to edit the book now because it used to it talks a lot about Southwest, but Southwest recently hasn't done too well. So, um, but it talks about like Starbucks and different companies like that are just being different. Like Starbucks didn't create or reinvent coffee. They, they just made an experience that is, you know, un, that is kind of been tried, but it's, it, they do their thing, right. They just stick to what they, what they do. And so I think that that's awesome. Cause it's, you know, and especially in a hyper-competitive industry with solar specifically, I mean, I feel like you go down, you know, I 15 down in the Lehigh, there's a ton of different solar companies and, and I look over and it's like, Oh, that's a new one. Or that's a new one. And that's a new one. Um, you know, that, I think that's, that's super, super important. What, uh, what are some things that I, you know, that I guess caused the growth? Um, that's, that's really, I've seen a lot of companies, um, you know, grow way too fast and then they crash just as fast as they grew. What are some things that you, you know, that caused the growth, but then is, are, is keeping the growth? I mean, I, I still have a non-solicit with Vivint, so I haven't recruited anybody from there, um, so uh, luckily I've just been blessed with a great network of people that I've worked with and, um, the trust is high. I have never, never screwed anybody. And so when people heard that I was jumping into the industry, there was a lot of people working at other solar companies that said, Hey, we want to, we want a part of it. And so really? it was kind of a couple phone calls the day I made the decision and I had 150 people join. So it wow. was, it was, uh, yeah, super blessed with just the network of people and the the amount of trust and confidence that they had in me going and doing this. That's awesome. How's been the shift to being a CEO now versus just you know whatever you, whatever title you were with Vivint? You know, for me, it's been it's pretty it, leadership's leadership. So if you're in a leadership role, it doesn't really matter what your title is. You're just right. managing different types of people and personalities, but all the same principles apply. So it's been it's been great. It's been super fun. We had to, um, when I first came in, it was, uh, you know, I got the salespeople. Now we got to make sure that we give the customer a good install experience. Right. And, you know, from sale to install, we got to make sure that that flows good. So the customer has a good experience. And so I just took my, my ability to go and, and recruit and, um, hire sales leaders. And I applied that to ops. I said, what, what is the what is the the company in solar that has the the craziest massive growth um just pure chaos where they went from nothing to something in like a few years right and so i just started targeting their their employees and um built good relationships with them and their families and 
just started recruiting top tier ops people and built a really good internal ops team. I'm one of the best leaders I've ever been around um, through him. And then, um, you know, then focused on the field to make sure the installs were going and went and stole some top, top tier people on the field from other, you know, fast growing companies and right. just built this all-star team on the ops side. And um, we got through that year and now, now it's building an all-star, you know, all-star finance team. That's awesome. And I think it's really important and really cool of you because a lot of uh, salespeople, a lot of, there's a lot of companies started by salespeople and a lot of salespeople don't understand the ops side of the business. And I feel, feel like that gets a little muddy, especially in the dealership game. There's a lot of like salespeople or general managers or whatever, like go start like a new dealership and they kind of forget about the service and fixed operations side of a location. So I think it's cool that like, that, cause that's really important for you know people to have confidence and your salespeople to have confidence to sell the customer the truth, you know, what, what, and then having the ops team come deliver what was sold as far as to be truth. You know, I think that's really important, especially for being in a hyper competitive world where everybody talks. I mean, we live in a society, especially in Utah, where people get together very often. They talk very often, you know, they see, you know, solar panels pop up on a home and oh, like they start talking about it. And if you have a bad experience or a bad situation, you might be like, Hey, you know, I wouldn't ever use them again. It's like, okay. Well then, you know, they pick up, you look through Facebook or look through Instagram or even uh, I was going to say the phone book, but no one uses the phone book. <laughs> you, know, you go on Google, a solar company, there's, you know, a long list, you know, comes up, but really it's that, that like peer to peer, you know, people kind of word of mouth saying, Hey, like not a really good experience in them. You should call them. Cause I think, I think that's super important. Yeah, in any if, you business. Don't, if you don't take care of your customers, um, if you don't take care of your customers as competitive as this industry is, your salespeople aren't going to stick around. Right. Because it's not like we're, we're the numbers are the numbers. You can't pay, you can't pay salespeople more here than across the street. Right. I mean, they can go get what, what we're paying them. They can go get it anywhere. Right. So if you're not giving the homeowners a good experience and you're not given a, a very smooth process from sale to install, the sales reps aren't going to put up with it and they're out the door. So it's important for everybody in the business to be aligned because if not, we're not going to have revenue. Right. Without revenue, everybody loses their job. Right. No, I, I, I agree so much. I mean, I, and especially people, I feel like they get lost in the high performance. Like I feel like you know, they almost don't treat the high performers very well or don't really care about them because there's high performers, but it's like, why? Like in my eyes, that person can go anywhere and do really well. So what are you going to do the extra, how are you going to go the extra mile to make them stay for you? Because it's really hard to keep recruit. It's expensive to keep recruiting and training people. So it's like, okay, like just create a culture that people, you know, are begging to be a part of what, you know, what you're doing. And I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, you've been able to recruit people into your company and obviously they're top performers. Why, why are they willing to make that change into your company? You know, I, I ask myself that a lot and I, I think it, I think it um, comes down to the vision that I've casted. I mean, I, I, I legitimately think that, um, there's a lot of solar companies out there and I don't think anybody does a good job. Really? I don't think anyone does a good job. I think they do an okay job. My, my saying is who sucks the least, right? I and mean, that's the solar company to get because it's construction and there's a lot to it. There's right. a lot to it. Um, but we want to be the best of the best. And I, I preach that to everybody. Um, and then, you know, the reputation that I've had with making sure that I've always take, I've always, if I say I'm going to do it, I'll do it. And I don't have a problem with crucial conversations. I have no no issue having a very direct conversation. And so I think that the, just the trust level is high. 
the wow. trust level is high and I was able to, to grab them. But even the people that I didn't know, you know, just, you know, I, I, I found people that, that weren't, they weren't the top leaders in, you know, ops at the company they were at, they were mid tier and they felt like they were that. And I gave them the right. opportunity to, to rise up. And so, you know, a lot of them just came for that, that opportunity to make it happen. Alongside of that, we built a very, very good, um, we built a very good compensation structure for everybody in the company. Um, it was well thought out. I spent a lot of time on how people are going to be compensated and how the equity program is going to work for everybody. Um, wow. and so we should, we should be able to give 60% or so of the company out to the employees on a transaction and where it's venture capital back, they want, they want to transact. I mean, right. you gotta, you gotta return money to investors or you're not going to get investor money. So right. we've got to go build it up and, and get it sold or take it public. Wow. That's awesome, man. I think the compensation plans, they're supposed to, you know, kind of cause good behavior, you know, the right behavior, you know, the right metrics, especially if you're measuring it or quote unquote, keeping score the, the correct way or everybody knows what's going on. They're supposed to cause, you know, with the behavior that you want. Right. And I feel like there's so many people out there, especially in you know, maybe the the door to door world or any sales world that people try to not pay people, you know, I guess what they're worth or what they feel like they're worth. And especially if you have top guys coming to you saying, Hey, like, you know, I've done all these things and everything perfect. I got the number one sales. Like, look, can we work on something a little bit more? And they're like, no, no, it really doesn't matter. Well, I'm guaranteed that person can go somewhere else and get a better compensation plan and, and do their thing somewhere else, especially if they're the high performer. And so that's cool. Cause I, you know, especially in our industry, like, like you said, we can only pay what we can pay. I mean, it's, that's, you know, there's only so much money out there. Right. Um, but I think, you know, one paying people what they're worth, or at least, you know, the best you possibly can with that, but really treating them um, a certain way or dealing with them a certain way, I think goes way more than money. I mean, there are so many people out there that would take a pay cut just to work for a good company. And I think that's a very, you know, powerful thing that people can, can if they pay attention to it. Now, I've met people that everybody's expendable and they really don't care. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, and, and it's crazy because they're having like, you know, success and different things. But if you hear about them, like, never a good thing about them but like, i'm like man like it's just it's crazy to 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 know that because with us i'm trying to be the best that we possibly can at you know employee experience customer customer service like there's a lot of like but employee experience is, is kind of number one for us at least this year we kind of created that to be a theme for us this year yeah and you're you're right everybody is expendable you know the people that are saying that they're right but I mean, what, where are your, where are your morals and ethics? And do, right. do you really care about people? If people aren't performing yeah, you got to right. you know, hire slow, fire fast, right. but, uh, you know, do you actually care about them? And when you have to let somebody go because of underperformance, how's that relationship afterwards? Right. You know, I think that's an, that's an important piece. And, you know, do you genuinely care about your people? Right. Do they feel like you care about them? And, um, that doesn't mean that you can't have the conversation of having to, you know, to part ways with somebody because they might be a better fit somewhere else. It might be better for their career, but, um, you know, what are they going to say about you after they're gone? Right. No, I, 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 I love that because that's, that's culture to me of like, Hey, like, you know, and, and a winning culture. Like we, like you just said, some people get so lost in culture that they feel like they can never let anybody go and everybody needs to stay and they're, they're sucking the life out of everybody and they're not performing. And they might, they might be a great person, but performing very poorly. And in my eyes, and you know, that 
with having good culture, you got to set those expectations, have those, you know, performance metrics, whatever you're doing. And it should be a mutual thing almost um, of like, Hey, like you understand this is like our, you know, fifth meeting. We need to, you know, figure something we need, you're going to move, we're going to move in a different direction or whatever was going to happen. Or maybe you start looking at other areas in your company for them to be able to go to, yep. but it's, it, you, you got to care enough to, to be interested of why they're doing what they're doing or succeeding or not succeeding, but then, you know, managing through that and then moving on. But when you get so caught up in, you know, the other way is like just pounding through people and it's like, man, we could have just, you know, given some coaching and they probably could have kept them. And having the expectation that people don't know what they don't know. So having the expectations are just going to magically appear with every, I, I get that with a lot of, you know, CEOs and business owners and people of they are one way and they bootstrapped a business and they figured it out. So they feel like everybody that they hire is going to bootstrap their department and figure it out. It's like, that's not necessarily everybody <laughs> how they operate. So it's like, don't, you don't have that expectation for someone. I mean, I had that expectation for my brother. I hired my brother um, back in 2019. I think yeah, 2019, maybe 20. Oh no, 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 20 into 2020. And I was like, Hey, be your inventory manager and just go with it. Well, now 60 days down the road, I'm like, dude, you're the world's worst inventory manager. Like, and I literally sat him down and took him to a restaurant right near here and was like, I'm thinking we're going to let you go. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you've never done this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And he's like, well, you've never told me to do anything. I'm trying to figure this out on my own. And I'm like, Oh, I guess, you know, in my eyes, I, I did it before and I kind of created some, it was not perfect. And so I gave him a clear path, linked him up with a mentor of mine in the RV business. And now I believe in my eyes is one of the best inventory managers in, in the industry. I mean, and people keep trying to recruit him, but I'll kill him if he leaves. But, um, you know, that's, it's, he's done so well, but it's like, man, I had to check myself and it's like, okay, have I set him up for success and gave him all the tools? No, I haven't. So how can I expect him to, to be me, you know, to, to just figure it out. And that's not necessarily his personality. And so I think that knowing that in teams is super important, especially being in a position that you've been through it all. So it's like, it's hard to remember of, okay, you know, this many years ago when I was brand new, this is what I gotta, I gotta remember and do. Oh yeah. I make, I make that mistake all the time, all the time. You just hire them, throw them in there and just, yeah. Yeah. Tear, tear it up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've created now like, you know, KRAs within the positions and different things and like manuals we've trying to do for different positions. But it's funny. It's like we're trying to remember like, yeah, I was, you know, a service manager you know, X amount of years ago. I don't remember what, you know, so now it's having our current managers develop these programs and these systems because they're obviously in the grind. So, and then teaching us, you know, as a corporate staff of what we're supposed to do. So it's kind of, kind of funny and it kind of comes full circle. It's, it's entertaining. So one thing I want to ask you, man, I, I, uh, I'm a big aviation nut, a little, little too obsessive with planes. Um, what caused you to get your pilot's license? When, or when, and when did you get your pilot's license? I mean, I've, I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to do it. And I've always kind of had this, this dream in my head of, of flying myself around for business purposes and, you know, just being able to just pop in my plane and go whenever, wherever, right. whenever. Um, and then I um, was talking to my financial guy who has his own plane and he's like, Hey man, if you're using your plane for business purposes, you know, you can either have a plane or you can pay your taxes. Right. Cause you know, planes are a great, a, a, a great write-off and it's a, you know, it's a very legitimate write-off. And so right. he said, just go do it. So the next day I called up a flight school and that's awesome. Just went and went and started. And this was towards the end of my career at Vivint where I just started, you know, flying at five in the morning for a couple hours before, you know, the rest of, my responsibilities with work and just 
<clears throat> got 20 hours in these those crappy planes at the flight schools. That right. Every time I'm praying, I'm like, please don't, <laughs> please, please work. Please don't go down this time. Right. Um, right. and then I just, I went and bought a nicer plane and that last, that last year when I was at Vivint, I just paid out of my own pocket, my flight instructor to fly around with me all over the U S in this plane of mine that I brought right. to get experience, um, and just got tons of experience in this plane. And, and then actually stepped up to a, a turboprop, so it's a turbine nice. engine, and it's one of the fastest single-engine airplanes, if not the fastest, and that's what I fly now. Yeah, okay. what is it? It's a TBM 900. Nice. So I get from Brigham City to Phoenix, and I can I can go to the gym in the morning, take my kids to school, get in my plane, and be at the office before my 10 o'clock meeting. Really? So it's, it's, it's been unbelievable. I've been able to open offices all over the country and, you know, get, make sure everybody feels supported, but still not miss anything with the family. Right. No, that's, that's awesome. And I, I, uh, I, I mean, we have a plane and we fly it all over the place and it's, it's such a good tool to be able to, to use, but I'm like you, I mean, I, I, uh, I just want to be home with my family. I mean, I was on the road so much um you know i kind of got divorced over it with first marriage and different things and i just i couldn't i didn't want to do that all the time and but i also had you know a responsibility to build the company so i'm okay how do i do this and i didn't get my pilot's license we have a pilot but i'm like man i just want to be able to fly like do things now i i think right now i might do a helicopter you know license really that'd be just a blast and i could get to our utah location super fast but the freedom that it gives you um, is is unbelievable, and I think that you know, people get get so caught up in in if you you know different things where they're like you know when did you could like you could help yourself. But I feel like more people should be pilots. <laughs> like they could help yourself so much by becoming because it's and opened up a lot of doors. It's literally know. been like I couldn't do what I'm doing without it. Like, really it's just crazy how everything lines up like i go i start getting my pilot's license then all of a sudden i'm not at vivant anymore and then i'm presented with this opportunity i'm in now and i just couldn't do it with without it like i just couldn't what we're doing right now i couldn't do it without it like right. i couldn't manage the real you know family's a really important thing to me um i just couldn't manage the business and grow it like at the scale we are and still not miss anything with the family right which so is, it's been an unbelievable blessing that's super cool man because it's um i mean it's it's such a good tool for business and it goes back with culture because you know it, it it's really hard to travel you know in certain aspects and do certain things um without it i mean is it possible yes but it is very hard i mean i look back in 2021 i had a hundred and like 40 something flights on delta like that's a lot of i, I was gone so much and I am like, everybody's oh, that's awesome. You're diamond. And I'm like, that's ah, not awesome. Yeah, it's painful. <laughs> and I like took a reality check of my relationships and act like if I was accomplishing the goals that I wanted to accomplish in the dealerships. And I'm like, I don't, I'm watching them. I feel like it's on the road. I'm on the road and I can't, you know, I go to a location and I'm like, you know, there at a, you know, for only a couple of hours and I have to go back to, you know, and hop on a plane to go somewhere else. I'm like, this isn't really doing my thing. So, you know, I, uh, we started with a, a lease in a plane and then now we have our own plane. So it's kind of, kind of nice, but I still want my own pilot's license. Cause I, I think that'd be so cool. Just go do it, man. Yeah, I, I need, I need to awesome. But I think it's cool that, you know, part of your guys's culture is that you're making the commitment to go to these places and help open up and, and be there and lead, lead by example. And then that gives you the freedom to do it. So you know, if anybody's listening to this, I totally recommend getting pilot's license because first off, we need more pilots because like Delta and everybody's struggling right now. And 
on pilots, but I just think it's just so much freedom. I think it's, it's super cool. So it's cool to, um, to see what you've done, but yeah, I, I love planes, super obsessed. Like I, I could tell you every model and make of every single airplane at the airport and everything about them. It's, it's probably not a good thing. I spend maybe <laughs> too much time studying planes, but oh man, I'm always looking like, Oh, what's my, what's the next one? What's the, what's the end goal? And right. I mean, in six months it'll be different because my sights will be you know right the vision is bigger and for sure <laughs> so but that's cool man i i love that uh it's you know it's definitely something we we share cody i really really appreciate you uh being on this it's been interesting to uh, to hear your your story and the journey and everything that's going on and you know the 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 struggles that you've gone through and the team building and you know all these things like i think it's 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 a lot of a uh, lot for a lot of these listeners to know um, it's very important to, 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 to know that. And it's cool to, to get to know you a little bit. The last question I want to ask you, I ask everybody on this show is what does success mean to you? How do you define success? Oh man, you can have, I mean, money doesn't have anything to do with success. That's just a byproduct. If you're in the right field, um, success, I think is just having, you know, a really successful life for me is having just a big, big impact on as many people as possible. The more right. people you can have impact on and make their lives better, I feel is is success for me. Um, you know, I want to be that person that has touches to thousands and thousands of people that can say, "My life's better." Right. So that's awesome, and I I love to hear that, and I I can't wait to to keep watching your journey. I'm definitely going to be, you know, watching it and what the company's doing, and it's super exciting. And we got a, a mutual buddy named you know Greg, which he was on the show before, and um, just. It's cool, man. Cool what you're doing. And, you know, I'm all about entrepreneurship. So it's cool kind of doing your own thing and, and with a, seems like an awesome company. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to go. Well, I'm going to invite myself flying sometime. Anytime, man. Anytime. <laughs> Dude, anytime I can get up in a plane, oh, yeah. especially, you know, being able to fly around here and do some fun things and just have a good time, man. And, um, you know, get to know you a little better. It'll be fun. So appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thanks a ton for having me on. Anytime.